now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. How is it going, everybody? And welcome to the Parish Pump Podcast. What we're doing is we are doing a reflection on it's almost, it probably is 365, more than 365 days, I would, I would speculate, um, since we were elected. But it's what date is today? The 22nd? So this weekend will mark the one year anniversary <coughs> since we stood for election and were elected to Wicklow County Council. Um, so we thought that it would be interesting, nice, possibly entertaining, uh, insightful. But even, even if it's not any of those things, we thought it'd be good for us maybe to do a reflection. And then we thought that rather than do a kind of a dry kind of formal interview style reflection that we would um, identify a lot of questions and then pick them out of a hat. And I got the better hat. Paddy hat versus. Look at that. It's a bucket. It can't even see it because of my background. There There we go. Decent. There's some daisies on it. So I respect that. You know what I mean? We're always thinking of you over here. Um, So our plan is to pluck out questions that we will ask each other. And uh, yeah, let's see how well or not we can answer them. Um, They are random. They're across. They're not just political. They're. Well, they're kind of framed within the experience uh, that we've had over the last year as newly elected county councillors. So I'm going to invite you to go first. Yeah! kind of don't want to. Go for it. Dermot O'Brien. I feel like Oprah. What have you learned? In the last year, no pressure. On, That's a deal. I mean, no, I'm sorry, but the hat doesn't lie. Um, what have I learned? So, I mean, there's learning every day in our lives. Um, but if I was to let's say, yeah, let me let me kind of think about the big learning or the or maybe the significant learning. Um, the biggest thing I've learned, I would say, actually, is that. And maybe I knew it before, but I've certainly, it's been confirmed to me within this world of politics. And so we we had a platform of change within Mm -hmm. our campaign. And what it's been, what has been confirmed to me uh, is that change takes time and it's a slow process. Um, And what I've learned is that you have to be persistent and consistent um, in the change that you want to implement. and that's kind of, and we, I suppose, are working off uh, trying to change a culture of how politics is done, and we're bringing our own sense of how to that. Um, and there's very specific things that if you want to change a policy um, about how the council deals with a certain situation, whether it's uh, homeless people, housing, uh, asylum seekers, um, refugees, or how they, how they decide when to cut the grass, um, or how many bins there are in the main street, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what I've learned is that you, um, the change takes time, and but you have to be persistent and consistent in your approach. So if you have a, if, if, if you have a view on a stance or if you have an idea for a policy, someone isn't going to, because you think it's good and right, um, 
that doesn't mean it lands and they go, oh, thank you so much for that uh, challenging but insightful suggestion about a policy change. Um, you have to often just kind of keep bringing it, uh, keep bringing it and believe um, that it's worth bringing it again and again. Um, and then using, I suppose, learning how to present it so that it, it's, if something is presented within a committee or within the council chamber or through the media, Again, that there has to be consistency across that in terms of, um, and, I, and I, I think the other learning, the other big learning for me is learning about managing failure and the struggle of getting things done or serving people um, and responding to their needs in a way that fulfills their expectation. Um, so when someone contacts a counselor with a specific need or a specific issue, within that there's an expectation that we have a certain power and a certain influence and a certain capacity to do the thing that they need uh, and having to yeah learn how to say here's the limitations of what i can do here's how i can support you and here's how i'll be with you and mm-hmm. we'll we'll work away on this um, and it, again it's not a click of the finger um solution um, so that's again about this consistency and persistence in supporting an individual who's on a mission to, to have a, a solution to a problem or, or an issue or to how the council itself can respond to wider issues. Good answer. answer. That yes. was it. Like you've put the pressure on me now for, well, I'm going to have a one word answer. Yes. Yeah, pressure. <laughs> that's, that's a good challenge. Okay, Grace. Oh no. Uh, tell me about some of the most significant moments over the last year for you. Okay, and I mindfully there were so many of the election campaign, but we're talking about from the day of being elected. So, um, the first significant moment was our very first meeting, where I wasn't sure whether I was going to speak or not. So the very first meeting was, uh, the official meeting was, you know, uh, electing chair people and it was very kind of going through formalities. There was no talking about issues. Um, and the way that it works in a council meeting is you press a button on your mic and it indicates to the Cahirlock or the chairperson that you, you want to speak and you, you're on a list on their screen and then they call you. So there's also not this idea that you can just speak when you're ready. You have to indicate and then wait. So I was like, will I, won't I, will I, won't I? And then I thought, no, if I don't do it now, then I have to do it first time next time. So we were talking about the formation of the Climate uh, Strategic Policy Committee and I indicated to speak and I waited. And then I just said that I thought that that was an important thing, especially for young people, if I was going to represent young people in the chamber. So that was significant. Was it significant moments as you asked? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second one was, I think, when I got... <sighs> Let me think. There's moments when I know that I've, <laughs> when I've done well in speaking in the chamber. And then it's also equally significant when I speak not well in the chamber. So you're given mini speeches. It's not dialogue. And sometimes you realize halfway through your dialogue that you're gone way off. And that's significant because it means then on the drive home or the weeks in between meetings, you can work on that. Um, so it's been equally significant when I find out what, what lands well when I speak in a meeting and what does not land well. Um, and knowing your facts and figures and the key points of what you want to say has been significant for me. Um, 
there's been moments where, and again, you spoke of it days about the limitations of what we can do to support people. But there's been private moments where because I'm honest with people about what I can and can't get the council to do for them, but I'm also empathetic and give time and hold space that people have got back onto me privately or even people on social media have said thanks um, or that meant something to me. And that's hugely significant because um, it means that although maybe you can't see the big change yet, you're making little changes and little differences. And those are the significant moments that keep you going when you're thinking, what am I, am I actually achieving anything at all? So I think those are pretty significant moments so far. I'm sure there's loads more, but those are what what comes to mind. Good variety, good variety. Okay. I hope you get an easier one now. Yeah, I'm going to try for the one word answer. Oh yeah, I forgot. (laughs) So can you tell me about a moment of connection and a moment of disconnection. Um, moment of connection and moment of disconnection. And while you do that, you can think about it if you want. Oh, I was going to just That's say that I cut my pieces of paper into perfect little squares. When you say perfect squares, is that like a generalization or if we got the measuring tape? Um, so moments of connection and moments of disconnection. So what's interesting when I think about that is there are well, what's really fascinating and powerful in this role is when you get to make a personal connection with somebody um, who has such a level of courage to present themselves to you um, with, a, with an issue. And that could be the most vulnerable moment in their lives um, or a moment where they are opening themselves up to somebody who is kind of a stranger, but has a role that they imagine could be a support. Um, and, and when you, when they, you know, get it and they're doing that within the a sense of unknown. So they are putting themselves out there. They presented themselves to you. They're sharing their story. Um, and, and whatever's in that, whether it's trauma or kind of struggle. Um, and then when you, realize that through your engagement with them and how you respond um and that's a that can be again a a very affirming moment uh, where you where you think that you're bringing skills to this role that might be unique uh, amongst others who are you know what 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 type of people become county councillors um and i would like to think that when that i bring a a skill set to the role that that makes those moments um, worthwhile for the people who present themselves. So there's, there's probably nothing more powerful than feeling a connection with somebody who has, who you're like so in awe of in the first instance, because they're presenting themselves to you with, uh, with their struggle. Mm. Um, and then they, they, you sense and feel that they, when they realize that you're with them and yes. that you've just joined, you've joined their journey um, uh, towards kind of, again, that that solution or finding a solution. Um, so that's, that's, there's nothing more powerful than that, I would say, in terms of connection. Um, and it's really interesting because it's a professional connection, but a human connection at the same time. Um, and that's probably, you know, there, there probably aren't many other roles where kind of that, um, 
that relationship is kind of kind of crosses over between professional and personal um, or how it benefits from that um, that balance between both um, disconnection um, moments of disconnection I suppose like sometimes I feel uh, disconnected when I don't do things when I when I realize that I'm not doing things the way it's perceived that counselors should do them so so if i'm not on social media in the way that if i'm not commenting on a post where uh, let's say on a forum where it's people are just there's a kind of a it's an opinion sharing space so someone has thrown in a scenario and you've and everyone's sharing opinions and mm. people are just looking for your opinion to be in the mix, uh, whether it's kind of uh, positive, negative, indifferent, whatever. And there's an expectation of you to be in that. Um, and then you're judged on, on how you manage that. Um, yeah, I, I'm reluctant to do that. Uh, and then I might sometimes feel I'm disconnected because I'm dis- am I, are people perceiving that I'm disconnected from the issue because I'm not commenting on a post on social media? And I, so I think to myself, am I disconnected if people don't know my stance, but then who's interested in the depth of a response mm-hmm. and who wants me to write a comment? Um, so yeah, there are times when that, when I feel disconnected in that, in that regard. Okay. That's there to toughies. Yeah, but you did well. Not much. Not as well as me, but. I should listen while you get to some. Okay, Grace. We should have um, done an intro one. Like, what's your favorite color? Yeah, yeah. Like, we've really <laughs> kind of dived in here. Uh, so you've, you've been a year in the role um, amongst uh, the other things in your life, I would imagine. But in the context of being a counselor, what has, or I suppose the influence or the impact of you being a counselor for the last year, what has changed about you? Ooh. And how honest am I going to be? I think probably really honest. Uh, so I actually think I've changed a lot as a person. It's very hard to say what is only because of the county council work because it's, but I would say a lot of the last year has been focused on that. It's a huge change to your life and a huge challenge. And it kind of overshadows everything you do. You know, you're not the person you can't, you're not a, not a county councillor on the weekend if you're out with your friends. So you have to, um always be that you be be aware of your role um luckily i think that i have always kind of tried to bring myself to it so i'm not a, i'm not uh editing myself too much but what's changed about me is then being tough about who i am so beforehand especially in the campaign and maybe the first couple of months you are yourself but you're also being judged all the time and so you were like oh god do I need to edit that bit or do I need to be careful of this or I need to change this behavior whereas now I'm I've learned that you're never going to please everybody so who I am is not something that's up for debate and my worth of who I am is not up for for people to judge so therefore I'm I'm more comfortable to be my silly self when I'm with my friends even if people think I shouldn't be doing that or I'm more comfortable to wear the shirts that I want to wear and I know that that's grounded in coming from a place that I really care about this role and I want to bring the best of myself to it so I'm not I'm not careless about uh the role if that makes sense so therefore it's okay to be tough about who I am so I've, I've toughened up in that, in that way in that um, 
I'm, 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 I'm worrying less about who I am and perceived to be mm. because I think that that's important. So there um, isn't a fitting in element or yes, is, is that a pressure yes. in, in? Yes, that's, that's a good way to put it because it's, it's more so like um, I think that I've learned that I can bring a lot of good things to this role and I am capable of, of doing a good job within it. So therefore I don't need to worry too much about that. I'm going to focus on the positives I'm bringing already as I am, but that has required toughening up Um braving the wilderness as Brene would say to stand alone and say yeah this is who I am and why I do things this way and uh so that's definitely something that can't remember the question again <laughs> well I've changed in the last year changed about you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. so that's changed and I think um yeah like similar to what you said uh I've ch- I've changed in my ability to not get too sucked into the emotion of what's presenting in front of you. So I have a slightly different, maybe less experience when people are sitting in front of you sharing their story. And at the start I would get really, really overwhelmed with sadness or empathy or feeling their feelings. And it would almost be, I would carry that then for the week or whatever. And that's not useful because you need to be able to take it and sit with them, but also then park it so that you can focus on, helping them and play a role in your professional way. So I've also learned how to manage emotions better actually in this role, which has permeated into all parts of my life, which is lovely. Um, so I think, yeah, being tougher in, in, in standing up for who I am and learning to manage emotions better has been the two biggest. Very good. Okay. All right. Favorite color. Give me something. <laughs> what is your favorite song now? Oh, I, uh, I don't know if you want to do this. So I got what has changed about you. More gray. More gray. Oh, in the hair. Same. <laughs> do you want me to give you a different one? Go for yeah. <clears throat> uh, This is nice. So what is the nicest thing someone did for you over the last year? So, yeah. I think so. There's there's consistently nice things that um, that are done. I think again, you, so you you're you're you have a team behind you when you're pursuing this um, journey into politics. So you're trying to get elected. So there's a, a team behind you that go on the campaign trail, and then I suppose the, the so I have a mick is my is the chairperson of my coming but he was the the leader of my campaign um and he has he takes a role a, a checking in role with mm-hmm. me um which is a very again a very regular nice thing um where someone is so i i do lots of different things in my life i'm not just a county councillor um i've multiple jobs multiple responsibilities uh, amongst parenting and uh, other work so it's it's when when Mick contacts me for a check-in, um, it helps me to just ground them and to kind of be back in the zone um, and think about um, what we're doing, not just in terms of the council chambers, but in terms of the membership of our party in the locally and, um, you know, what is the next activity we're going to do or how are we going to, you know, what's what should we do on social media or how do we support our members or or it could be somebody um, who's bringing in a local issue. Um, and so it's, but in general, it's like, how are you? So it's that kind of yeah. uh, somebody who's with, from within um, but also takes that kind of checking in role um, 
and that's that's very nice beyond that it's kind of it's lovely when when people appreciate where you stand on things and when that you know is presented to the public domain and people say i'm with you and that's again nice um it's always funny when people are nice to you with a little qualification of i know you're Sinn Féin but <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> I never know what to say. <laughs> but I'm kind of with you on that, or you know. So that's always I, I find that nice and and, and funny because that's an ongoing mm. uh, challenge, I suppose, in terms of the identity and how we present ourselves. So and what I, I would say about Mick is the other thing Mick does when he rings you is we'll make you laugh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh, this is a cracker. Okay. Uh, so it's orange <laughs> it's pink no i meant orange is my fit uh tell me if you could give one book as a gift to each of the 32 31 including me other county councillors what would it be so i have two and I'm breaking the rules. I put a motion for it that I'm allowed to say to. Although I guarantee I was thinking if I asked you to guess what book it would be, you'd definitely be able to guess. And the first one is the obvious one. I, it would be Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Now, I haven't actually finished reading it. I've read all of her other stuff, but uh, Dare to So she, for people who don't know, she is a social researcher and she researches about shame, about empathy, about leadership, about vulnerability, about courage and... In, a, in, a, in the most non-fluffy way. <laughs> so all of her stuff is grounded in research and also a little bit of humor and is very applicable. And she talks about the pain of having to do this stuff. And often like, I hate the term self-help. I find it quite condescending sometimes. And it's very like, it'll be wonderful when you practice yoga every day, where sometimes we know it's painful and you don't want to. And so she writes about all of these things and dare to lead. I'm about three quarters of the way through and I'm finding it very challenging is about applying those skills of leadership, of courage, of vulnerability to leadership roles. So in a council meeting, how do we talk about issues that have a human element to them or are based on humans? How do we talk about homelessness and also talk about the vulnerability we feel where we don't know how we can fix the problem and we are in a different situation and we, and all of these things about leadership. So I think, there's something about the shared language of that, of how important those skills are, what we mean by them, what we mean, don't mean by them. And I think that book would make such a difference, even if people don't agree with her approach. Um, it would give us a new tool. To, so do you to, imagine in your mind, so everyone's got it, they've read it, it's the next meeting? We'd all, first of all, we'd all do a check-in. Three words, how are we all feeling? And then... No, but and and but the thing about it is, is she has a framework, especially in Dare to Lead. It's quite um, what's the word like? It's it's quite feisty because she knows that this isn't just for when people all agree. Mm. So you, you know, Dare to Lead and leading with vulnerability and courage would be easy if we were running a a garden that we all are working on together. We're not. We're trying to run a county, and we all have completely different perspectives on how that should be done and who is vulnerable. And but so we need skills to be able to bring values of courage and uh, empathy to that. Um, but that leads me into nicely my second book would be a tiny little book called How to Fight 
by Titch Nathan. And it is a kind of... And who's Titch? Who isn't? He is it. How would you describe him? He's uh, is he is he Buddhist monk? In 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 he writes about you, you'll you'll see you'll know his quotes from Instagram, but he is a kind of a spiritual leader in um in 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 being mindful. So it's not it's not religious. It's more so a mindfulness about our connectedness as humans. But his book How to Fight is tiny, and it's only um little one or two sentences on each page about fighting. And I think that would be so useful because it seems like all we do is fight <laughs> and maybe that's okay, but it's, his book is about fighting in a way that brings us somewhere more positive and doing it in a mindful way that we are trying to get somewhere. And I think that would cut through a lot of politics where it's you said, she said, then it's both reported and then people take that and you're either in this camp or this camp and we plod on. And I think that that's a huge problem because then you don't see a solution and change being reached. So how to fight and dare to lead. Good choices. All right. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, actually it's a little bit different. So it's something that you learned about yourself. I don't know if you feel you've already answered that. Something I've learned about myself. Um, Hmm. What have I learned about myself? Is there anything more to learn about? Always. I've learned something about you. Have you? Yes, you're even more, you're very good at applying tech to whatever role you take. (laughs) I knew that you were into technology and gadgets, but I didn't know how much that you would utilize them for your work as well as for enjoyment. Just while you think of your own. Yeah, no, it's a good show. It's a good show. Um, what, what, yeah, I don't know whether, again, it's something that people would already imagine about me in terms of, so, yeah, if people who have known me for a long time would know that I've got the kind of red mist in me. So I can be, I can do aggro, so I, I can be driven by anger um, and rage and and I'm good at, at arguing, I suppose. Um, but I, and and politics is kind of again is an arena where you're expected to, as you just said, even like that it's a fighting space. It's an arena where people go to war or there's battles, and the battles are you you know it's kind of at a at a very superficial level. They are yeah, it's about who can find a way to win, but not but that's sometimes not connected to how it benefits people afterwards. It's just like the win, notching up a win in terms of. I outdid you there um, or our party outmaneuvered you or we used our power to get what we want. Um, uh, or I kind of, my my commentary landed better than yours. Um, so I think what I've learned about myself is that, in an, and I, I'm, I've been into politics for a very, very long time and yeah, I'm driven by the kind of, I've always been can, able to argue my politics. But I think what I've learned about myself is the ability to park that to a degree. And I think I'm still learning kind of the levels of uh, how much it should be parked, but that I can bring calm to a, to a battle arena. Um, and that sometimes is, it surprises me that I can tap into that, that I can mm-hmm. tap into a calm approach and considered and still maybe land some punches even in a, you know, in an arena that is about combat on some level. 
but isn't about destroying all the others in the arena, but more about kind of saying we, we need to focus on maybe the other force in the arena, which is the problem. And maybe yes. we're, we're not it, but if we all somehow give our attention to that. Um, so yeah, like I think I've learned yeah. that I'm capable of bringing calm. Um, Transcending, I would say. Mm. <laughs> that was tough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Grace. So in the last year, tell us about some of the things that you've had to accept. Which is a strong principle that we you know in our what mental health work is one of the guiding principles of how we manage yeah, tough times. Um, and I would say actually I've been surprised at myself with how much I've been able to accept this current pandemic even um and the all the stuff that goes with it does not mean it's been easy i just accept that i'm a bit chaotic and a bit more struggling with this and that you know rather than resisting that it's happening um acceptance yeah that has been i think okay so first of all i've had to accept that this role is different than i thought it would be so i had this perception that it would be first of all day one save the world don't worry about it we've got it and like you've said earlier that change takes time and i've had to accept that some people don't want change and some people don't know they want change and some people don't know what type of change sometimes i don't know what type of change so i've had to accept that this is different than i thought um it's more hours than i thought it was going to be um it's you you will be stopped in the street in the shops you will be phoned, you will be messaged on your social media and you have to accept that to a certain degree. Now, again, I would say we can also be boundaried. So if I'm in the middle of something or I'm with friends, I will say, you can ring me, no problem. Or, um, you know, you can reach me here. I don't take a call like that, whatever it is. But you do have a certain level of acceptance that the role is different and you either embrace that or you don't. Um. I've had to accept that and I struggle with this and this could be naivety, but there are some people in the world and this is, there's some people in the world who aren't driven by caring about others and that's hard. And sometimes, you know, we all fall into that trap and we are only thinking of ourselves and that's okay. But what I mean is that there's some people who just aren't even worried about whether they're caring for others or whether they're whether their behavior impacts others and that's hard to accept because i believe that most people are very good and they want to care about others but sometimes that people don't need your energy because they're not for changing and they're not for caring about others so that's hard to accept and um i guess yeah that change is slow I, 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 is is the hardest thing to accept that this is a long slog and but accepting also that there's a huge amount of people out there who really do and not just from you know one party or one there's people out there who genuinely care about others and want to make Bray better and Wicklow better and so accepting the change is slow also means accepting that there's a team and it will take a huge effort but that's positive as well cool How many have we done at this stage? I have no idea, but this is a great one for you now. You deserve a bit of <laughs> a question like this. Who would play you in a, if there was a film made about the last year? 
who would play me in a movie about me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it even worth a movie? I suppose it's a kind of a, you know. So is that like who would do the role justice or who is the coolest actor that, you know? Who looks like you? Is that where we're going with this? <laughs> what's, that, what's that dude from American History X? Well, like, what even, yeah, so, so if we, th- well, we, I don't know, maybe it's not fair, maybe it shouldn't be a movie, because we would say, is there act one, act two, act three of a story? Has there been yeah. the hero's journey yet? How's there? We'll play an old version. You know, it would be <laughs> purely, right, to, for the benefit of being on the microphone and people having to listen to a voice that is very engaging, I would say maybe Liam Neeson. <laughs> And maybe if he had to get feisty, you know, at a meeting, he could yeah. say, you know, I will find you. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it would be a dynamic or, or maybe Johnny Depp a little bit out there. like <laughs> Yeah, a little bit quirky, a little bit serious. Yeah, that's toughy. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> you, you, you said that was an easy pick. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's not actually. It's a short one, uh, physically. There's only two words to it. Orange. <laughs> Funny moments. Sometimes I wonder, like we do... Is there, we, are you allowed to have funny moments in this uh, serious world? I, like, we do anyway. <laughs> and sometimes you have to. And we did say that before. I remember once, I don't know if you'll remember this, we were driving home, I think, after a meeting, and it was a tough one something where it was real heavy stuff and I said what do we do now and you said have the crack <laughs> um like I mean in the lead up with the, with our like slogan the if you change nothing nothing changes and then we hijacked that to like every scenario so someone would be making a cup of tea and we'd say if you make a cup of tea nothing teas or like if you... <laughs> so that was good crack or with the last podcast we did and we said <laughs> what would we change about the way the council meetings work and I said the um the red chair from what's that Graham Norton, Graham Norton yeah. so that if if someone was babbling on in a meeting too long that the Cahirlock would get to pull a lever and flip someone off the chair like that was gas and sometimes we do crack jokes in in um in council meetings or maybe even other meetings. And that's all, I think it's something I have found actually with the zoom meetings is you have a moment. So we've had online briefings as counselors. Now we haven't been able to meet officially because it has to be in person, but it's online uh, updates from the council. And there is those very human moments. We're not in the official sit in your chair where your sign is and not talk to each other. We're all waiting on a screen and there can be moments of jokes or laughter there. And I think that's, that's, that's powerful and that's positive. It's a human thing to laugh. So those have been some of the, the funniest moments. Or when you give an absolutely, you know, you, you give your policy position on something and then you think in your head, did I get away with that? <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea. Like sometimes you doubt yourself and you just have to laugh at where you're at and what you know and what you don't know yet. Cool. Well, I keep going. Like, well, we can't. All right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one more each. And we'll edit out all the poor answers. Uh, Let's call it. Let's call it now. Here we go. I wanted to know your answer to this. So in the last year, when did you feel out of your comfort zone? Or did you? 
actually the thing <laughs> the thing that jumps in my mind it was quite early on so one of the committees that i was nominated to as so as a councillor you get nominated to sit on various committees um, which again is kind of sometimes neglected in terms of the contributions that we make that you you might be on a committee and making really valuable contributions to the work of that committee whether it's a school board of management or a drugs task force or and because people don't know that that's happening um that they're not knowing that you're making contributions but anyway mm-hmm. so i'm on i'm on the local community development committee lcdc and i'm nearly sure it was my first meeting and um, there are three three councillors on the meeting and then stakeholders from other parts of the community and then council officials. There are four councillors on it, actually. So we went to the first meeting and it was just the formalities and it was to nominate the chair and kind of lay out the plan for the year, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that was, I was just sitting chilling. Um, it, 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 in my mind, this is just something that would pass me by and grant. Um, because I was new and I, I was just trying to learn about what, what was involved. But then, so the chairs were being nominated and an, uh, a, a person from a particular organization who has known me for a long time asked the question, uh, can we nominate somebody who we haven't discussed with them that they should be going for the chair? And it was a weird moment and she was informed, yeah, of course you can. So she ended up nominating me to the chair so I had this moment of discomfort uh, where I was like, okay, do, I, I didn't think about wanting to be the chair of this committee. Mm. I have not prepared. Do I know how it functions in the intricacies of the role? I do not. Um, but somebody has decided that they, they can imagine me in the role and that feels good. Um, so it would, it, I had to accept the nomination or not. Uh, and I didn't feel like I could say no, because yeah. then, what am I saying? Uh, I'm not fit for the chair. So in my mind, I was like, that's nice. So I'll just accept it and uh, it'll be, she'll vote for me and I'll vote for myself and it'll be grand and I won't f- feel aggrieved because I'm not going to get it because I'm sure that's already been planned who, who will get it. So, uh, so they did all the votes and it, it kind of, it came down to, there was three people in the hunt in the end. And I think we all had four votes each and it was down to the last vote. Oh so my in my head, I was like, what? if I get this, then I'll be put into the chair straight away. For, yeah. Share the rest of the meeting. And so I, I, like, even when it came to me during the, during the flow, it was like, do I vote for myself? for some and and can I do that authentically and so it was a real it was yeah so I'd say I was out of my comfort zone because I was scrambling in my mind Mm. trying to say you are capable of chairing you've chaired lots of things you've worked in very dynamic environments and it's not you you won't die on how you chair the rest of this meeting it'll be you know you'll put the work in and get you know and at the same time I was thinking but you're not going to get it anyway so it's grand but isn't it nice that someone believes in you and then people voted for me and So I came into the last vote and it wasn't for me. So I didn't get the chair. And it was, I have to be honest, there was a bit of relief. But at the same time, I was able to take away a positive vibe that as a new councillor, that somebody from another sector saw me as a potential positive. And they said to me afterwards, sorry for doing that, but I really believe that you could have been and would have been a really good, fair and balanced and dynamic chairperson. So 
That's and it's so because the council life is so plan ahead. Mm. You have, but you, but actually, we can't. You can't plan everything in life. Even going on the radio, one of the most nerve wracking things for me is what if? What about the curveball question? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that is. I can so see that because we spend so much time planning and making sure and checking and working. So yeah, and there's something about what, where do you go when when you're in a moment of discomfort or you're out of your mm. comfort zone? What do you go back to? And that's kind of and you have to have a really quick dialogue. With yourself in those moments. Um, I ring my mom under the table. <laughs> what do I do? I just fall over. <laughs> Pull the lever off the chair. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> oh. I kind of feel that, yeah, you've got the real deep ones. So, and I was, gonna, I was proposing that we do one more each, and then we'll do the quick fire, and then cool. we'll end, right? So. Right. So no Talk about stretch zone. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the failures, inverted commas, that you have learned from over the last year. Okay. Is that a harsh question? No, it's a good question. Also, can I just say what you mean by stretch zone for people who don't know? So we, because we would always use that language. Like I remember Derma taught me when I was in his youth project. Because he's old. <laughs> we can't do a podcast today making fun um so the comfort zone is like where you feel comfortable and then the out, outer zone of the comfort zone is the stretch zone so where you're pushing yourself it's you know not so comfortable but you feel you can overcome and you can learn and you can grow and then outside of that is the panic zone where you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to get back into the stretch zone is that a fair yep very good so the stretch yeah so the failures are good to reflect on because they happen often in the stretch zone i hate when they happen in the panic zone though because you're not learning from them um failures so there's one the, the things that come to mind are in meetings where there's procedures and uh accounts and way like ways of doing things that i haven't experienced before because i haven't been in the workforce for long enough so for example um the first time that I'm on a, a board and we were talking about the board pack and there was accounts and I, my dad, I'm lucky is, uh, is knows how accounts work. And I had to sit down with him the night before the board meeting as a director and say, can you show me how to read these? Because I don't, or read an account in general so that I can read these ones because uh, I don't know how to. And yes, then in the meeting, we were talking about a procedure of hiring someone and I made a suggestion that you can't, that, that was just, you can't do. Not legit. Yeah. Not legit at all. And, and it was a moment of generosity from someone from another party who, who, who knows that, who, who didn't use it to make fun of me or to say, see, she's only young. She doesn't know. She said, oh, we actually can't because X and then moved on and was very uh, generous in her way of doing that. And I was like, oh, fail. Like they're going to think now that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I had, I know what I'm talking about. Every, I've done all the work for all the other bits to learn, but I didn't learn about that. But I've learned then, okay, I'm going to say the wrong things. I'm, you know, I'm 28 and I'm working hard to know about how everything works, but there's a, you have to be an expert on everything. So there's going to be times when I say the wrong thing. And what I have to believe is that the, all the other times where I have made valid points make up for that and that people understand that I have a contribution to make. So they're generous when it's the wrong one, because we all are going to do that. So that's been a failure I've learned from. And also not another failure is, um, well, I wouldn't say failure, but just not, how do I describe this? Not being prepared for what it's like to be a, a 
competition on social media. So I would say it was a learning experience big time to one, put something up and not really think about it too much and then have people question it and go, ooh, actually I should have thought about that more. And two, put something up and then not expect maybe some of the harsher trolling or whatever. And so now I've learned that I don't need to read comments. So I don't, that's something I've learned from the, the failure was reading the comments <laughs> and giving them any attention. Uh, and, and I've learned from that. So I think those are my Very good. big ones. I'm sure there's times when I've like done something like fall over. <laughs> Been clumsy, but that's never Are changing. Bringing a, like a Spice Girls bottle to a council meeting. That was not a fail. That was the greatest thing I ever did. So thank you. <laughs> right, well, we do the quick fires. Okay. I have them written somewhere. Where did I? Or do you want to read them out? Yep. Okay. Well, I'm ready to do it. Okay. So this is like, Yes, one sentence answers. Okay. But so then, the, so are you going to answer them and then I'm going to answer them? Well, you can answer and then I'll answer. Okay. I'll ask, you answer, then I answer. The same okay. one. Which puts the pressure on you. No problem. Fine. <laughs> so it's kind of like your response to people's perception of politicians. So that's kind of like in the, in the world of what they, their stereotypical perception or their understanding or their limited uh, knowledge or awareness of politicians but what do they it's kind of in that yeah that world of expectation as well so perception and expectation of politicians you ready mm-hmm. fix my suit yeah so the first one is about dress sense mm. i have it well there's no <laughs> Other politicians okay are... so um people perceive that if you're in a suit, you know more. Sometimes, I would say colorful shirts and t-shirts that are jumpers that say uh, "No freedom and the freedom of women." Sometimes, um, are just as capable. So you don't get caught up in in what you um, kind of sounds like you know that people have an expectation or perception of how you should dress, but you're not. Again, it's not you don't want to do that fitting in part of. No. Cool. For me, yeah, I, well, I am a guy who had a daisy tie in his election poster. <laughs> so that for me was very, very conscious and not a very popular amongst veterans who are advising me and supporting even me in terms of uh, standing for election. But I felt that that type of, that the messaging behind that type of dressing uh, was worth it. Mm. Okay, next one. People's perception of politicians and how they speak. Um, so I think people think politicians are boring sometimes and rhetoric filled. And yes, if you don't do rhetoric, so sometimes I, f- I fall back on rhetoric because you lose your train of thought and then you're thinking, what am I saying? And then you just try to fill in the gaps. So I do understand and I have empathy for sometimes people. Well, give us a cliche. <clears throat> Let me be clear. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. <laughs> Tough decisions have to be made. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think people perceive that it's boring and that we speak or that we should speak only in kind of non-emotional language and maybe non-colloquial language. Yeah, I, I'd be similar in that I think there is a formal language of politics. but I th- So on some level, there's an expectation that that's how it happens. And you, you kind of, there's lots of audiences 
I would say. So I am inclined and I, I'm into speaking and I'm into words and I put a high value on words, but I'm also, I've worked with so many diverse people in, you know, from different scenarios and different backgrounds. And so I like to be able to adapt my style accordingly. So I like colloquial language. I like the spieling. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm reluctant to do the, to comply with yeah, formal ways of speaking because you should. Uh, we talked about this already a little bit, but perception of politicians in and on social media. Yeah, again, it's it's that kind of. Um, today I raised this with the minister. I hope this is or today in the council meeting I did it. Um, and I think our approach. I'm trying to. I do my like emoji updates after every meeting, and it sometimes it's I'll tell that somebody else raised an important motion um but i i also then try to do my own reflections at the bottom and it might be something i learned about myself and maybe people are like who cares but i I think that brings the human part um and i like that we try to do videos and sometimes instagram is where i try to do i still do funny and messing as well as messaging and information sharing because i wanted to come up as part of a young person's feed and not be not for them to feel that i'm trying to impose on their space but rather than I'm there anyway for dynamic content and that there can be some political stuff within there. Yeah. I was find myself wondering about my, yeah. Is there a, do I have to have a, a specific identity on social media, the political me? So again, mm. I've separated my Facebook into me and political me. Um, and beyond that, I don't have a, I don't use Twitter as political me. I don't use Instagram as political me. I don't. What else is there? TikTok. You'll see me there. No, I don't. No. Uh, so, and again, I'm also mindful that there is a percentage of people there and some who are not there. Um, and yeah. And so the, then the other thing is yeah, how you present yourself to people and, the, and, how I want to, how I think they want me to and what I can go back to, like what's important. I always try to see my Facebook page as a kind of a archive as well, that if you want to know my stance on the property tax, go there, you'll find a video about it or the budget or, you know, declaring a homeless crisis or needing, you know, improvements in A, B or C. So I kind of use it as a space to log my views, my opinions, to share information again. If the council, uh, you know, have uh, produced something that I think is of value, then I re-share, re-transmit. Uh, where I don't have a comfort zone is the, yeah, the competing as if I don't look, I don't check other politicians' uh, social media because I don't want to f- be caught in a space where I'm competing mm. uh, with them or I'm kind of, Oh, why didn't I do that? Oh, my. Um, and, and I do. And sometimes I think, yeah, we, it's, there's a, there's a, a trap where you kind of think that your social media outlet is, is a, is a news outlet or you're kind of tr- trying yeah. to get a scoop. Um, and that, and yeah, and self-praise is not something that I have a comfort zone for in terms of, how it should be done and how you can, you, know, you might be told that you need to claim, you know, uh, all your successes and tell. And, but at the same time, people want to feel a, a connection with what you're doing, how yeah, you're doing yeah. it. And co people are part of the, the wins maybe that you get sometimes and they want to share that. So, 
I think it's, you've reminded me of, it's storytelling and I have the three. So Facebook is my story of what's going on in general in the council and my reactions and maybe my wins. Twitter is maybe the news story, but I try not to go there as much as I can. And then Instagram is the short snappy story and follow me over here if you want more. We kind of failed uh, with the one-line answers, didn't we? Uh, who's surprised? <laughs> People's perception <laughs> of politicians and what they can expect from them. Mm, because even I wonder, do people know the difference between TD and county councillor? Like some people do, some people don't. Um, so po- what is a politician? A senator is different from me. They have different powers. And especially... <laughs> We, we are, I am finding out that the, the, there are some things that we don't have the power to do that we even might have thought we would. So there is, especially in activist circles, I think we need to be careful um, where there's campaigns well-intentioned that say politicians are the problem, but who, what politicians and at what level. So people expect politicians fix social problems and if you're not fixing the social problem it's because you don't care but sometimes what I'm finding is I really care about the, the social problem and I want to play a role but I don't have the power or authority to change that a lot of the um and and yes I don't accept that I just say oh well I've no power there I'm not going to play a role and then you have to get creative and dynamic about how you can be a part of positive change so I think people perceive if they don't understand and I don't expect them to the intricacies of all the different levels and types of politicians and roles and functions, then they think politician problem solver. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be a hard place to be and you just have to say no. (laughs) And that can be, and you know, the challenge can be about my individual specific problem needs to be Mm. solved by you because, because that's your role. um, And I expect you to, so there's almost uh, this kind of client clientism approach where, you you got elected uh your job is to serve and i expect you to serve me serve those around me serve the community serve society serve business serve um and as much as i very much see my role as a service um there's always a tension between expectation and when it becomes resentment because mm. you haven't fulfilled someone's expectation. And I think that's a, across all of life. You have, people have to manage their expectations of others. Um, and, but it's a tricky world to support someone to, from their start point, expectation to shift it into a more reasonable expectation so that the work you do together on whatever the issue is, again, whether it's climate change or a new window in someone's house, you know, that's the, the, the process is, I believe that is sharing the kind of the, the, the process and how we have to also manage expectations of others who are part of it, that counselors don't have magic wands or finger clicking abilities. Um, and I always go back to, and the last thing I'll say about it is, and this is something I'd love because there's something about political education and mm. people's understanding of what a county councillor is compared to a TD, compared to a rep, compared to a senator. Um, and within the county council, I would love if everyone just got a, a, a thing in their letterbox that says your local council has reserved functions and executive functions. And the executive functions are is all the power that the officials 
in the institution have, and they're the people who work in the council five days a week in all the different roles, and there's whatever, eight over 800 employees in Wicklow County Council. And the reserved functions are the roles where, are the functions where elected members uh, have the power to decide something, to propose it, to vote on it, to block it, um, and there's, again, there's a, a limited amount of them compared to others. And where people, you know, when someone says the council decided to do this and that's, and they judge us, but the, the council decision wasn't made by us. It was yes. made by the council officials within the power that they have, which they were given by, by national government. So yep. reserve functions, executive functions. Agree. Uh, there's two more. Um, people's perception of politicians in terms of yeah we kind of power I've kind of talked to that a little bit your power or lack of Um, and the last one is people's expectation or yeah that you should have a thick skin take it you got elected okay well one last thing I want to say about the power thing is what you said the other day you know the quote with great power comes great responsibility and sometimes this role feels like a great responsibility with not enough power and so it's not that I'm not thinking about it or working on it 24 7 as much as I can without damaging myself but it's that I actually don't have the power to do it but with that's just a little that's been floating around my mind so thick skin here's my thoughts about thick skin as a highly sensitive person and I won't say too sensitive because I don't actually believe you can be too sensitive unless you decide that for yourself, that it's impacting you. Because I think sensitivity is a superpower if it's harnessed correctly. Um, I, I, I don't want to have a thick skin in a sense. I do because I need to in certain scenarios. Um, and uh, this is a tough arena and that's fine. You know, you need to protect yourself. But my sensitivity means that I really care about other people's feelings. It means that I'm warm and I have heart. And so I can't be all of those things and then not be phased when people are abusing me or making fun of me or harassing me to get back to them. So it's a balancing act. Um, And what I would remind people is that, you know, politicians are people. And so... And, and that might seem like a funny thing to say, but like, it's weird. It wasn't like the 24th of May last year, I was Grace the activist who did mental health campaigning and cared about refugee rights. And then the 25th of May was a politician who was now on the other side. I'm still that person. I'm still that activist. I'm still like, my mom still gets upset when I get abuse online. So what, it doesn't come, you don't just get this thing in the post saying, here's your thick skin, put it on. You're ready for council life um in terms of self-care which we would say is so important for anyone who's trying to be put themselves out there yeah i've learned to manage the potential impact on myself but that's not getting a thick skin that's looking after myself and that's very different and i think by doing that mindfully and i do that by talking to people or journaling or learning about acceptance connecting to reminding myself that my friends love me because i'm funny and like dancing not because i have a good policy on something all of those things i do means then that i can still keep my sensitivity intact and ready for the people who need it yeah, well, how can I follow that? That's, uh, and I, I think the risk of, so uh, I always talk about uh, people who know me know my obsession with storytelling. And mm. 
So I think the risk, the danger of the thick skin narrative is that if you tell yourself, I have a thick skin, I can handle it, I can take it, then I think you, there's a risk that you go looking for it and, or that you invite, uh, that you go in looking for a conflict or that when someone brings conflict that you respond with conflict um, and that it because you can you can handle it or you can take it and it's like your story about yourself to yourself is that narrative I'm tough I can take things I'll go whereas I I often and I can see I can like because I'm capable of that um I have a I have a so I I try to practice I'm aware um so two things I, I tell myself so in the dialogue with myself I say people can only see the world from where they're standing. So with my empathy and compassion, which are both skills that you develop and learn and practice, I tell myself that if someone is abusing me, there must be a reason. So they're, and they're seeing the world from a certain point of view. And I have to decide then to what degree I can uh, give energy to supporting them to see it from my point of view or to shift their own point of view, or if I accept that they're not for shifting, that I then I'm not obliged to carry that abuse with me or to resolve it even in a way that works for them or works for me. So, I, 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 and I, I think I've, so again, I'm older than you, a good bit older than you, and I've had a lot of experience in life. So I think that is an asset for me in terms of the different types of conflict I've had to manage in my career. And then the, how I've learned to, to have a compassionate approach as, a, again, and that's my kind of, so I would always say, what would compassionate me say? As if I had, and that's my way of activating stepping out of the emotional response. No, no, like you say, like we are people. And if someone's saying something harsh about you, you know, no, if I tell myself I have a thick skin, it's, it's still, it's, that's a shield. It's still, but it doesn't work. It still goes in and it still impacts on you. So the thick skin part just turns me into someone who doesn't do emotions maybe, or isn't able to, or is refusing to see, allow people to see that I have to process this as well. And again, we have families and friends who are also might be sharing the emotional reaction to someone being quite negative or harsh uh, about you. I think people should, can judge my decisions, um, can judge my standpoints, can have a different standpoint, can be passionate about that, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and they can be angry about it. But if they, if, if uh, where I draw a line, I suppose, is where if people think that abusing me as a person is uh, a, an acceptable part of me being a public representative, then I'll challenge that. Um, yeah. And I and I, it's there's and but I'll challenge it as compassionately as I possibly can. Um, oh, can I promise compassion all the time? Probably not, uh, because I'm human again, yeah. uh, after all. Uh, but my intention is always to try and get to a space where, because I think the ideal, because you know, for someone to carry so much anger and negativity is a burden on them also. And if I can play a role in shifting that burden, even if it happens when I'm not there or down the line where they might reflect, then that's, that's fine. That's you like, because that makes me think of the time. So in politics, it's everything's now, now, now reply to my this now or soon or within this day but to do that work of moving from oh what you just said challenged me hurt me upset me i need to process that then become compassionate and give a compassionate answer that takes time mm -hmm. and so you don't you won't get 
I don't think we can have this fast, 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 now, now, now politics and also politics infused with compassion the whole time because compassion takes time sometimes. And I, I find that a struggle. You either want my immediate response or you want my best response. Yeah. And, I, and that's really, that's kind of reminds me even of how people might judge a vote that you've made in that mm-hmm. one moment where you are, you've done all the consideration, you've been involved in the conversations and you're voting a certain way at a meeting. Um, and people then decide that they take away all the context of who you are and how you work and all the principles and values that have, that have been present for the whole time before in your political career but if you vote for one particular thing then they just they extract that and decide that that's who you are now you are that vote and and because of that vote and i disagree with it then i'm going to paint a picture of you to everyone else to say this is who you are you are the person who did this vote that i disagree with rather than that's uh how do you reconcile you know explain to me how you do this one thing in the context of all you are Mm -hmm. and i i really yeah it's something i kind of struggle with i expect on some level people to be able to see the whole me and look at my track record before they judge me on a moment and it could be a moment where i say the wrong thing in an interview or whatever so last thing before we finish up i don't know how long this is going to be Longish. Um, is there anything about, and um, how do you look at the year ahead? Well, it's all changed now because of everything is online. I think our biggest, and we've been talking about this, piece of work is going to be supporting uh, resilience and bouncing back. Um, I'm going to focus on the, the the hope and the positive potential. I think. Nothing brings people together like a crisis. And I think there's been a lot of people who would have otherwise been battling over the last three months who've had to work together. Um, and that we will we'll need to harness that um, for the greater good. And um, my intention is now that I know how things work, I know more. I don't know how everything works, but, um, and I've had, it's, it's, it's been a really challenging year for my brain because you're learning all day, every day that hopefully now I will see more pockets of potential to have influence or to make suggestions or changes because my brain's not taken up with what is going on here. Um, and, and it will be, my focus is on well-being, a well-being of people because we have taken a hit no doubt and we're going to have to adapt and we're going to have to accept and those are principles of good well-being and I think there are tools we can promote to do that um, and the other thing I would say is what we don't want is the same there is still the same inequalities than there was before the crisis and there is still the same system failures. And I think they were exacerbated by this crisis. And that doesn't go away just because somebody did a good job on a certain piece of public health policy. They might be doing a good job and it's difficult circumstances. I've no problem with that. But we can't then just say, well, that excuses or we need to stop focusing on or looking at who is extremely vulnerable still in our society. So um, my, my intention is to play a role in whatever way I can to build resilience and to still talk about those people who are really most vulnerable. I hope you're going to answer the question, do you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <See ya. laughs> 
and I don't know whether, so this is obviously a, like a synergy thing because resilience would be the first word if, if mm-hmm. I was going to choose one word, that's the word I would use. And I think it kind of defines, it can define um, yeah, how we do grasp an opportunity amongst the rubble of the, you know, the scaffolding has fallen in, in, across the, the county, let's say, if we look at Wicklow. Um, and I think for me, resilience means that we, uh, to take stock of where we are and um, we kind of look at what needs to be done now in a sustainable way that prepares us for the next crisis whatever that might be yeah. um, that's mindful of the climate and biodiversity crisis that we're in um, that again looks at um, <clears throat> as you know you talked about kind of the, the hope and potential and I think that if we pay attention to what is around us in the county in terms of food in terms of nature in terms of the possibilities that communities can be better connected that health and well-being can be fostered without the need for millions of euro of resources and facilities that there's a balance to be struck between how communities connected communities build resilience amongst themselves and don't need that to be um they don't need to be serviced to do that. They just need to be supported to get to a point where they can sustain it themselves. Um, and in particular, I think that there's a huge challenge uh, in the coming years about how the voice of, of young people mm-hmm. is uh, finds a space within the, the, the decision-making um, and has a, a really authentic influencing presence in how the council operates um, and that requires a big shift um, i think the council decent at that again one of the things to celebrate in the year is that we have a, a young person on a first young person in ireland on a, on a strategic policy committee and that adds value i think um, and that I, you did a youth report for the health check and bray and young people yeah, fit into that yeah so I think it's kind of bringing them and building their capacity to, and I think what we, what's important is that with this scenario that has, that is unfolding and has kind of unfolded in the previous months, um, we, we have to remember and invite young people. We have to remember how this has impacted on young people differently to others. They are, you know, at a unique point in their development in terms of adolescence. Um, and that if we don't kind of support them to process or process with them what this has been like and, and invite them to be co-architects of a resilient future for, for the county, yeah, then I think we will struggle or fail. We'll fail. Fundamentally, we'll fail. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very determined, but also excited to, to do that work, to keep um, trying to build a bit of new scaffolding but in to be to make sure that within that uh that the the youth voice and the youth influence is is strong across the board just like you've always done (laughs) so that's it you should have closing music i do oh yeah actually thanks for that little uh, input i'm going to edit that out Is that, is, that, is that your suggestion for my closing music? No, that's or me doing your closing music that I hear in your head, in my head. <laughs> How many of my podcasts have you listened to? <laughs> Them all. Okay, that was brilliant. Uh, I hope people enjoyed it. Um, 
tune in next time for another parish it's been a while since we had a parish pump podcast um but hopefully people enjoyed it it was a long one um talk to you all soon Touch beats. I want my life in between these tan paper wings. High tones.